Oh, wow. I had an amazing night last night. So uh, Friday night, which was last night, um, I went to Sexpo for the first time ever. Something I've always been intrigued about but never been sure, like, do I want to go to Sexpo? And now, obviously, uh, with the previous episodes I've recorded, you know that I'm just in a zone where I'm just exploring every possible orifice that I can. Uh, Sexpo said, do you want to do you want to come along? I, I've done a collaboration with them. I've done some video content for them. And I was like, this is amazing. Yes, I absolutely want to go. And it was, wow. It, uh, I'm going to get into a bit about Sexpo and also um, uh, a follow-up with the incredible, oh, I don't know if these two topics really should go hand in hand, but uh, the I were I yeah I had I had to do a stool sample um, last week I had to poop in a cup. Anyways, uh, look, I had extreme diarrhea in the last recording of this episode, and I just want to follow up to inform you about where we're at and what was discovered inside of my body. Lots of things. We're mostly talking about things inside of me this episode. Um, and speaking of things inside of me, what a segue. I would like to thank some complete drivelers on this episode. Um, as, as part of uh, Patreon, uh, when you join the complete drivelers tier, there's a lot that you get. And one of the many things is a shout out on the podcast. Your full name gets said. <laughs> Surrounded by the words sexbo and diarrhea. What more could a girl want? Now, here are five absolute complete driveler legends that I wanted to shout out this episode. Melanie King. Now, Melanie King, for me, is someone that, who has been around from the beginning. Mel King, I see all your comments. I've seen you were a Facebook supporter. You have been a big fan of mine for so long. And so has Natalie Flynn. Um, which I love seeing. I love seeing these names pop up. Um, it fills me with such warmth. I mean, so does having diarrhoea. The cramps increased my blood pressure, which made my temperature rise. But uh, Mel and Nat, you also fill me with warmth. <clears throat> oh, I'm getting a bit uh, phlegmy. It's from last night. Well, what did he swallow? Sadly, nothing. Anyways, I also want to give a massive shout out to Anna Burgess, Jade Horsfield and uh, Nat Tyrell Curtis. Um, thank you. Uh, I see you on all the lives. I know exactly who you are and I really appreciate you joining the Complete Drivelist here. Uh, Jade in particular. Now, Jade, um, I say this with love and respect, but like you're putting the whore in Horsfield. Jade, Jade's last name, I just wish I was called Christian Hall. And I could say putting the whore in hall. It doesn't work quite as well, does it? I just love... Jade has got my favourite last name of all time. Whoresfield. Just a field of whores. That is my dream, Jade. I love Jade. I've already spoken to Jade about um, asking whether it's okay that I ridicule her last name. It's not ridiculing. It's actually being jealous of and wishing I had that last name. So a huge... Shout out to Melanie King, Natalie Flynn, Anna Burgess, Jade Hawesfield, and Natalie Tyrell Curtis. Natalie Tyrell Curtis sounds like, no, the Tyrell Corporation, you know, from Blade Runner. Oh, I'm a bit scared. And Anna Burgess sounds like, like a football player's, well, well, the Burgess twins, isn't they? The twins, Burgess? Anyway, or she could host a game show and we could call her 
baby sister Anna Birch. Oh, that was a terrible joke. Never mind. Anyways, a huge thank you. If you would like to join uh, Patreon, it keeps this beast going. And I um, shout you out on episode, ridicule you as a human. Um, and then we get to move on and we get to talk about my diarrhea. So, last episode, why do people why do people sign up? I don't know. And why do people listen to this? Really, it just fills me with joy. So, last episode I had just incredible... <laughs> incredible diarrhoea. Uh, I don't like using the D word. Let's call it um, uh, waterfalls. I mean, it literally feels like you're weeing out of your anus. So I had um, very bad intestinal pain and cramps and it got to the point where um, this is really TMI. I'm so sorry, everyone. But it's just good. We're all learning. We're going to learn something new. Where I was pooping blood and I was like, oh, that looks very concerning. I was just, it was like literally just blood at one point. I was like, I don't think that's excrement. I think I need to go to emergency. So I, I'd been having like like uh, waterfalls for maybe three days, four days at this point. And when you go to Google and you type in how long should you have waterfalls for, uh, it says never, you're going to die. Uh, but that's Dr. Google's response to any ailment you have and you put it into Google, it's like cancer or death. And so I was like, mm, I'm sure it's neither of those things, but... Maybe I should take myself to emergency. And so uh, it was a Saturday night, I think. It was, was, yeah, it was a Saturday night. I had recorded the podcast a lot earlier that week. um, And when it got to Saturday night, I was like, "Mm." well, it's a weekend, so the wait time shouldn't be too bad. I'll just call the hospital. I'll just make sure, you know. Like, I hadn't had a COVID test at that point and uh, gastro issues are a part of uh, this new wave of COVID. I'd done all the, like, rat tests. I'd done three rat tests. They'd been negative. But mm, I was still sceptical. I was like, I'm pretty sure I've got COVID. And this is just part of that. And that's why I, like, yeah, I didn't see a doctor for quite a while. I really should have. And um, so I called... Yeah, the, the reason why I didn't want to go to a public hospital was because I knew the wait times would be insane. Now, the trick is, unfortunately, this is if you can afford it, because it is quite costly. When I f- fell over when I was staying in uh, Caloundra, I was on holidays, and I, like, I thought I'd broken my ankle. And I was like, look, we should just go to get it checked out, because if it's broken and it doesn't heal properly, I'm in for a world of pain. So I was like, let's go to hospital... No doctors would see me because this was also the height of COVID. No doctors would see me. Um, no, they weren't, there was no new patients um, and the waiting room times were astronomical and then there was no real sort of public hospitals close by, but there was a private hospital. And someone said, just go to a private hospital and you, you, you pay. Oh, God, you do pay though. And they'll pretty much see you. It, it's usually a pretty good turnaround time. So, so I went and I was like, oh, okay. This wasn't too bad. I mean, I did have to wait a while, but it wasn't like the seven hours that you usually have to wait. I mean, it was $400. But that's okay. That's okay. I I was scared. I, like, hospitals are quite scary. I'm scared of hospitals. and uh, I don't like going to the doctor because... <laughs> Look, it's out of... It's, it's, it's column laziness, column... I'll just be... I'll be fine. 
oh, don't. Like for me, uh, let me keep going with my story and then I'll explain myself. So I called a couple of private hospitals in Brisbane and they were like, absolutely not. I mean, you can come here, but you, you, I am talking like the wait times, we won't be able to see you till maybe 6am. And it was 8pm when I called around. I was like, oh my God. Those poor, that poor nursing staff. Like, holy shit. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, mine was not an emergency. Um, And so a lot of the time what happens is, I can't believe that thought just popped into my head. Uh, what happens is is there's like a rank system, which makes sense. Um, and I learned about this when <laughs> when a friend of mine. <laughs> this isn't fun. This is not a funny story, and I feel shameful for laughing. So a good friend of mine in Melbourne, when I was living there, <laughs> she's from New Zealand, and she was renting this. <laughs> she was renting this place and she went to put the oven on so she turned the gas on and then um got the lighter out and actually couldn't find so spent a little bit of time trying to find the lighter while the oven was filling with gas sort of it just slipped her mind and so she found the lighter and she was like click 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 click, and it was taking a while to click and then she clicked it and then she was like, okay, it's working. She opened the oven door. She leant into the oven because it's this weird old school thing and you've got to, like, put the flame at the back of the oven. And she went, click, and the whole oven was filled with gas and she literally blew her face off. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not funny. The poor thing. Now, because she's from New Zealand, she doesn't have any family or any super close friends um, there. And so who did she call? Me. <laughs> So she called me. Her sister was a nurse. So she called her sister first and her sister told her what to do, uh, run it underwater, then put Glad Wrap on and, and do all these things. And she called me and I was like, oh, my God, what's wrong? She's like, I just need some help. And I was like, oh, my God. So I arrive not really thinking – I mean, it can't be that. I was like, it can't be that bad. She's just in a bit of pain. She'll be fine. <laughs> she opens the door. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, you look like Freddy Krueger. Like, I was like, Sarah, oh, my God. And she was, like, inconsolable. And I go into this panic and I'm like, yeah, I'll take – I was – she wanted me to take her to the hospital and I was, I was like, I don't have a car. And oh, she didn't know anyone. And so I was like, oh, okay, okay, um, 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 uh, we should probably get an ambulance. Now, she was in this – she was in a state of shock. And so was not speaking super coherently. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, she's from New Zealand. I know what salary she's on because we're on the same salary. She can't afford to pay for an ambulance. Now, that is a lie because it's free, uh, I found out. And um, uh, I was just so indoctrinated with how much ambulances cost in America that I panicked and I was like, I don't want to book her an ambulance and then she has, a, you know, $5,500 bill. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I booked us an Uber. She had serious facial burns and I booked us an Uber to get this the wrong hospital. The hospital, the world-renowned hospital for burns is called the Alfred and it's in Melbourne and it's five minutes from where I was. 
No, I took us to a different hospital, uh, not world-renowned for burns, in an Uber. And who rocked up? <laughs> a guy in a ute who was like this, like, like out-of-town, rural guy just wanting to make some extra cash. <laughs> Sarah's got ice packs and glided up on her face crying. And I'm like, get us to the hospital. And he's like, um, should you call it? And I'm like, there's no time. And so this guy was great because he definitely did get us to the hospital quite quickly, even though we had to drive past the Alfred. <laughs> we had to drive past the Alfred to get there. Poor Sarah. Um, at least Sarah now knows not to call me in a crisis. So <laughs> we get to the hospital and um, I was like, oh, God, there might be a long wait, Sarah. No, this is where I learned that there are certain priorities. And you know what the top priority is? Facial burns. So I walk in and I'm like, hi, um, are my friend's really seriously burnt her face. And they're like, boo, boo, like alarms go off. And I'm like, oh, oh, should I be quite concerned? And they're like, yes. Why is she getting out of a ute? I'm like, oh, we just got an Uber. Um, you, anyway, they didn't lecture me. They just ran and attended to Sarah and they literally threw straight in the hospital. And... So they take her in and I'm sitting in the waiting room. And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to be here forever. Of course, <laughs> this is years ago. Uh, this was at the height of when I was very popular on Snapchat. And, of course, I wonder if I've still got it. I Snapchatted the entire ordeal. What an asshole! Like, I just, I don't know. I just, poor Sarah. Oh, my God, I really need to. I apologise profusely to her all the time for it. She's fine now. It was only second degree, um, but it, it just looked really severe. I probably should have started with that. Um, anyway, so they take her in and they do her thing. So I'm waiting there. And it doesn't take long before um, I'm called in to see her. <laughs> and the nurse goes to me, okay, I just want you to be prepared. And I was like, oh, my God, you've had to take her face off? Like, what's wrong? And they go, no, 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 it looks a lot worse than it is, but it's but she's she's okay. We've given her some pain medication and, and we've just put some bandages on her face, but it does look quite scary. Um, and so they were like, we're just preparing you for when you see her. Don't, don't freak out. Um, but it just looks a lot worse than what it is. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm expecting to turn around and her head's fallen off or something. So... <laughs> I mean, I wish her head had fallen off at this point because I come around into where she is and she's, <laughs> she's wearing a makeshift, uh, like, sheet of, like, gauze and they've cut eye holes and a mouth hole and a nose hole out. But the eye holes are, they're not perfect. Like, they're lopsided. So one eye's lower than the other, which I immediately think to myself, one eye has melted and drifted down her face. So I start panicking like I've done this to her because I didn't order us an ambulance and uh, it gets worse and then her mouth hole was just like not proper and I just thought to myself I've ruined this poor girl's life my poor decision making has ruined this life then the nurse says to me why did you come here and I was like what do you mean this is a hospital and they go you've come from you've come from literally a suburb next to the Alfred and I was like oh did we okay and she goes, the Alfred is the Burns Hospital. We have to transfer her to the Alfred. It's the hospital for Burns. Like, she'd literally be healed and back home now if you just took her to the Alfred. I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And then they had to – then they started whispering and, and uh, I think they wanted to put her on, um, like, a suicide. 
it's not funny, a suicide watch because she gassed herself in the oven. And I was like, no, 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 no. I promise when I arrived, she had these like beautiful like arancini balls and she had all of this food. She was genuinely cooking and she's got an old oven and she lent in and it, it blew up in her face. So um, that's okay. And they were still very, very cautious about that, which was good to know. And they were like, you know, is she okay mentally? And I'm like, well, she's from New Zealand, first of all. So that's a no. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I think New Zealanders are better put together than Australian people. Um, and so uh, we transfer her and um, I got to ride in an ambulance. Did I actually get to ride in an ambulance? I don't know. I think I was in such a state of shock and panic and disappointment in – I was just not – that. I really should have been the last person that she called in that situation. Um, um, but she's okay now. Uh, oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just remembered things. Oh, my God. Poor Sarah. <gasps> oh, the things they had to do to her face. Oh, shit. Oh, and then when I revisited. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. It was. I'm not going to go through. But, like, poor Sarah. Oh, poor Sarah. <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah. I feel so awful. The moral of the story is don't call me at any point in time if you need help for an emergency because I make the situation worse. She could she I think in her state of shock, she would have made better decisions than me. Poor Sarah. Uh, anyways, that moral of the story was I worked out pretty quickly that there was a hierarchy in hospital waiting rooms. That was the moment that I was like, oh, so if I've got a sore knee, I just burn my face, go in and go, oh, I just burnt my face. Um, and while you're here, can you look at my sore knee? I mean, don't do that. I don't recommend it. Um, but I called some hospitals around. Back to me now, guys. I mean, that whole story was about me, not Sarah. But uh, I was, uh, you know, pooping blood. And I thought to myself, do I want to sit in a hospital waiting room for seven hours, uncomfortable, annoyed, grumpy, angry? And also I can't sit down for long periods of time because I'm back. And I just thought, no, I'd rather sleep and your body heals itself while you sleep. It's supposed to. And so I thought, no, 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 look, I'll sleep it off and I will um, see how I go in the morning. And also I'm, I might go to the doctor on Monday. I'll get a PCR test, go to the doctor and see what they say. So Sunday rolls around and the blood had stopped. So I was like, oh, that's a good sign. But it was still like really bad cramping. It was awful. Um. And then I book an appointment to go to the doctor and I learn, oh, my God. Like, you know I hate people. Like, that's another reason I don't want to go to a wedding room is the last time I was in a hospital wedding room, a homeless man uh, solicited me for sex very loudly and everyone was watching and no one stepped in to help and I was 21, still a very much a virgin. I was a virgin until 23. So when this guy sat next to me and said, can I please suck your penis really loudly – in a full waiting room at the Royal Prince Alfred in New South Wales, I was mortified and I was bleeding. Like I was heavily bleeding and I just stood up and was like, I think I'm better now and just went home and just bled at home and it was fine. And then I never went back in ever into a hospital waiting room until I rolled my ankle earlier this year and went, I need to go. I just don't, it's just not an environment that I love. I don't know who loves hospital waiting rooms. Anyway, where was I? So, I the doctor does a telehealth. It's just over the phone. <laughs> so bad, I didn't have to leave the house. I didn't have to sit in a waiting room. I could, I just could do my chores at home, 
um, and then go to the toilet every 20 minutes. That was another thing that I didn't want to go to the hospital and have to have like this extreme diarrhea every 20 minutes in a hospital toilet. Like I just couldn't leave the house. So I get... Uh, I had to go get a PCR test, a blood test and a stool sample taken. Now, I had never done a poop sample. I'd never had to take a poop sample. And I, for me, poop, the sight or smell or anything of poop and I'm immediately, um, I no, it's just, no. Like, this is another reason why I struggle being a gay is... If there's any, any, like I'm talking the most minuscule amount of anything in the bedroom while having sex from myself or from someone else, I'm immediately like, okay, um, we're not having sex. We're, this is, we're done. This is, no, no, thank you. Finished. I just, oh my God. I'm about to tell you what I, I had to. So. I go get my blood taken, they do a swab, and then she hands me a brown, like, what is it? It's a canister, you know, like you urinate in, and it's brown, because of course it is, and she goes, and we'll just need a stool sample, so if you go and do that, and then just come back and, and return that, and I was like, okay, is there any, like, do I have to, <laughs> what I didn't realise is, well, she handed me a bag with instructions, um, but I was like, I just want to go over it. Do I hold the cup underneath and shit into it? That's what I said to the nurse. And I've got like explosive diarrhea. So I was like, I, I don't think I can do that. She goes, no, no, no. There's a thing in the bag. She's like, the instructions are in the bag. I was like, oh, so sorry. There's a, let me explain what you do. So I get home and you lay down a sheet that goes, it sort of sits halfway in the toilet bowl and it's got adhesive around the sides. So it, it sticks on, so it's above the water, and then you just poop on it. Oh, God, it's so disgusting. Oh, and, oh. And so I was like, okay, this will be fine. Like, I've I got to do it for my health because, you know, I need to sort out what's wrong with me. And so I opened the brown canister and I was like, how do I get it in? It's got a spoon on the The lid is a spoon. Oh, it's so fucking disgusting. And so I I poop on this thing and I was like, I don't want to poop too much because I was like it, it would like it would be heavy and it would fall into the bowl. So I like half poop, which when you've got incredible intestinal issues and waterfall problems, it's very hard just to do a half poop. Now I had to stand up and I had to oh my god it's so disgusting this is uh, I'm about to get very graphic here so feel free to just scrub forward or completely just ditch this episode but it was like trying to scoop up <laughs> porridge and I also noticed I was like oh my god there's blood in this one as well and it was fuck, it was so fucking disgusting and I was like I was cry- I was crying um, and gagging, and I couldn't. My eyes were so filled with water that I couldn't work out. Oh god, this this next bit, I couldn't work out where the jar was. <sighs> I couldn't work out where the jar was, and I scooped poop all over my head. It got on me. 
It was so fucking disgusting. And like poop getting on me is the same as like a giant huntsman fell on me, screaming instantly. And I knew in my brain, I was like, Christian, do not flail your hands around because you'll fling your shit all over the bathroom. And then you have to clean it up. Just put the lid on the canister, okay? And and as you put the lid on, it's like all squilt. Oh my God, it's so gross. It's all squilt. It's all squashing around the lid. I was like, ah! And I was like, now just take it over to the sink. Now wash your hands and wipe around the top of the canister. Don't wash the canister because you don't want any water to get in and contaminate it. I was very of sound mind, which I was very impressed with. And so, oh, and and then the thing, you're holding it and it's warm. Oh, nothing about this experience. I like, how do nurses do anything that they do? This was the most putrid thing I'd ever done in my life. And I was like, how, how? People have to open this. Oh, my God. Someone has to open this and take it out. Heroes. Absolute heroes. So I go back, hand my stool sample back in, and I'm like, oh, thank God. Um, the PCR test comes back, nothing. Blood test comes back, perfectly fine, I assume. I haven't heard from them. Um, and then the stool sample results come back. And it turns out I had a very, very bad, um, what do you call it? It's like a bug, like a parasite or something um, that you get from like badly cooked chicken. It wasn't salmonella, but it was like, it started with S, oh, I can't remember. But it was, it was bad. And I got on antibiotics, which pretty much fixed it almost straight away. But the doctor was like, this would have carried on. Like, it wasn't COVID, which we all thought. Because she was like, oh, it could be COVID because lots of people have been having gastro issues. No, it was some, like, really bad. Like, so bad that um, I had to... So I, I had to isolate myself away. So it was contagious, but only if someone touches my shit. Um, so she, the doctor was so lovely about it all because she was like, okay, so people who are affected um, and we, we need to quarantine are, are kids um, because they poop everywhere and they touch their poop. So it's like that's how it can transmit. Um, she's like, food handlers. And I was like, no, I'm not a child or a food handler. And also homosexual men. And I'm pretty sure she could tell over the phone that I was a homosexual man. But I just, I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't, no one had put their penis inside of me, um, which is another way it can transmit. And I was like, okay, well, I understood what she was saying. She was she was basically telling me, please isolate because you're a gay. And so she was like, you just got to isolate for 48 hours while you're on antibiotics and avoid having any penetrative sex. And I was like, well, I've been avoiding having penetrative sex for a very, very long period of time now. But, and then I started, but you know, I'm in this whole new phase of my life. I was like, oh, she doesn't give a shit. Um, and so she prescribed me antibiotics and Bob's your uncle, you know, literally within the first hour of taking the antibiotic, I stopped having diarrhea and was just incredibly constipated. <laughs> oh, this is the worst, most disgusting episode. And so um, I'm all good. It's been like five, six days now. No, it's been a week. No, it's not. It's been five days. And I'm feeling bloody brilliant. Uh, she did call me last night in a panic um, because you've obviously got to register when I've got this thing and it's not super common. 
and I don't know. She was like, um, the, the, hi, Christian. It's um, Doctor here. Uh, how are you feeling? I was like, really good, thank you. Antibiotics has been fantastic and blah, blah, blah. She's like, I don't want to alarm you, but I have just gotten a call from, I think it was just like Queensland Health. But in my mind, she said, the World Health Organization. And then she went on this thing about how this is quite a serious issue and I needed to, like, get in a bunker um, and hide away from the rest of the world. And I was like, oh, I'm just currently out having dinner with the public. And um, and then it, it, it ended up being that, that um, it, everything was fine. She thought – she wanted to double-check what um, antibiotics she'd given me. And she's like, oh, no, I did give you the stronger one that actually works because what had happened was the stool sample results – came back with the bug and then they did some further tests to find out that this particular bug was immune to a certain type of antibiotic uh, and she was just checking which one she had prescribed and she prescribed the right one. And I was like, I, actually, I feel amazing. She's like, well, if you feel amazing, then it's obviously working. Um, and then she stopped panicking and I stopped panicking and, you know, I took off my hazmat suit and everything's good. But she, she was like, yeah, make sure no one touches your shit. I'm like, oh, well, I, I mean, I don't go pooping in my hand and throwing at people. So I think we're good. And so that was, yeah, that was what I had last week. All good now though. Back on the Metamucil. I took myself off the Metamucil because I felt like I – do you ever like get something and then you go, okay, I wonder if it's because I've take, I have started taking Metamucil. I'm like, no, I want to keep taking it because it's been really good for my digestive system. And it stopped with like <laughs> – like, I literally stopped getting hemorrhoids. I never had hemorrhoids. Well, I don't know what they were. But, you know, like when you strain on the bathroom for too long? Metamucil is literally healed. I can now shove dildos inside of me. And you know what? You know what? I called my mother and I told her. I was like, oh, you know, I've got, I, I, you know, I've been bleeding. You know what the first thing she said to me? She goes, I told you. It's that glass dildo. I was like, mum. It's not the glass dildo, mum. I put that in my bottom weeks ago, okay? This is quite a recent – this is something recent. Nothing has been in my asshole for a, quite a while, okay? I have not been stretching it because mum listens to everything and watches everything. And she's like, no, it's the glass dildo. You're not supposed to put that up there. And I'm like, mum, I mean, technically you're not also not supposed to put penises in your asshole. That's not what the human body was designed for. She's like, well, they're a lot more soft and flesh-like. I'm like, no, they're not flesh-like. They are flesh. She goes, yes, but they, they're non-abrasive. <laughs> I'm like, mum, the glass is smooth and I'm not vigorously shoving it inside of my asshole. It went in slowly. She's like, well, it could still really do damage. I'm like, okay, mum, I won't use the glass dildo anymore as I pull it out of my asshole. Uh, I just thought that was really funny. It's mum's first thing. Oh, well, it's the, it's the glass dildo. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mum, thank you, thank you. God, God bless her. It's just you've got to put things that are just just softer. Okay, mum, all right. Anyways, speaking of putting things in my asshole, um, I did sexpo, and it was amazing. If you're someone who's curious, it's perfect for curious people. It's also perfect for people that um, are wanting to explore more. Because So I'll explain what Sexpo is. It's an expo 
of sex. It's literally that. But it's not really full on. Like it's not um, like calm and jeers and like it's it's not – I don't know. It, it's not tame. It's definitely not tame. But it wasn't like to the point where you're just like, oh, my God, there's tits and dicks everywhere. There was – there were – but not everywhere. Like it was quite a respectful event. And there was a lot of different um, performances going on. There were some porn stars there that you could meet and talk to. And everyone, of course, is very open and very friendly about their sexuality. So nothing is taboo. Nothing is, you know, you're not a, you can ask any question, um, which is what I found really amazing. And then there's a lot of vendors, a lot of stalls selling a whole bunch of different things. Um, and so you can walk around and just – there are so many different shaped dildos. There's ones that are like monster dicks. Not like massive but like like a creature from Star Wars' penis. And you're like, wow, that is it's impressive. It's like weird and blobby and anyway. Um, there were the, – the highlight was definitely the performances – so there was a performance called Babylon, which was a show that was put together by the team at Sexpo, for Sexpo. And it was out. Like, it was so amazing. You had this pole dancer who, how she was able to do those, I was mesmerised. Fire twirling. You had these incredible costumes and dancing. Um, and there was there was a lot of shows. And then you had the, it's almost like a couple of different stages. There was some talks. There was some... Um, uh, like there's a kinky corner where you, and then they were tying up people and hanging them and you're like, oh, I'd like a bit of that. And then literally if you're like, oh, that looks good, you can go and then like buy the things. And it's just like uh, talking to a lot of people and really I liked it because it felt, it was like an like the Easter show in Sydney but just sex. And it was, oh, it was just, I found it so fantastic and then you go and um, rather than, so the difference between online is quite good because you can just buy things inconspicuously, read up about them and just get them without having to go into a shop or, you know, worrying about people seeing you. This was good because you could go in, you could have a look at the things first. They had them open, you could, you know, stick your fingers in flashlights. It was amazing. And you could talk to the owners about whatever it was they were selling and you can get information and... Um, I also felt like Taylor Swift when I was there. I was I was so popular. Um, got to meet my turns out most of you horny sex deviants like myself, which was great. Got a lot of photos with people, and I really loved talking to a lot of fans. And they were so open. And I was like, oh, what'd you buy? And I was, you know, husband and wife that, well, I bought this dildo. And uh, you know, the husband's like, I don't know who you are, but I got some cock rings. And, and I was like, this is amazing. Like I just loved how expressive everyone was and I, I really recommend it and I'm in talks with uh, the team who put on Sexpo uh, to have a stall. I wanted to go and <laughs> um, sell my dick soaps and my eggplant water bottles and a couple of other things. Um, so I think we're working out. I might be going to the Sydney one which is in October and then there's a Melbourne Sexpo in November. So, uh, look, I highly recommend going. I think tickets range from about $40 to $70. Um, and it was just a really, a really enjoyable night. Uh, I really liked it. I don't know if I could... I would, I would go alone. I would definitely go alone. Um, because you just wander around and just see all the... There's just so much. There's just so many different things. Re- yeah. 
Anyway, so that was uh, my uh, Friday night. You know, the diary had cleared up and the the diary had cleared up for quite a while at that point. I wasn't going to go to Sexpo if I was sick. Um, And I just, oh, just really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. Anyways, thanks for sticking around.